This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Michigan discussing the real-life killer that inspired the movie Jeepers Creepers. Then we'll talk about a blood pact. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Great Lakes State. If you're around my age and like scary movies, then I'm sure you've seen Jeepers Creepers. But what you may not know is that the beginning of this movie plays out just like a real case from the early 90s. In the movie, siblings Trish and Derry are heading home from college for spring break. As they're driving through the countryside, playing a license plate game, an old truck begins aggressively tailgating them, but it eventually passes them. Later, they see the same truck parked next to an abandoned church with the driver sliding what appears to be bodies wrapped in bloody sheets into a pipe that's sticking out of the ground. This driver sees their car pass by and then chases them down and runs them off the road. From there, things do take a supernatural turn and the driver isn't human. Of course, that part differs from the real-life case that I'm about to tell you about. The killer doesn't turn out to be a demonic, bat-winged creature that feeds on humans every 23 years. But, I would argue that truth is always more chilling than fiction. On April 15, 1990, Ray and Marie Thornton were driving along the Snow Perry Road in Coldwater, Michigan. So, you know, I'm going to tell you where this is located on the mitten. So, hold up your hands. (laughs) I'm going to hold up mine for you. So, Coldwater is in the south-central area of Michigan. So, near the wrist... In the middle of the men. Bottom in the middle. So Ray and Marie were driving, and like a lot of people like to do, they were playing a game to pass the time. They were trying to make words and phrases out of the license plates that passed them. That's fun. Yeah. Have you ever done anything like like that before? Like road trip games? Yeah. Like a road trip game. My favorite road trip game, it's like a song. So like if you and I were on a road trip, I would say, okay, you have to play a song with a color in the title. And so oh, you just fun. pass the yeah. phone back and forth and, and you know, uh-huh. select a song like uh-huh. Purple Rain or Little Red Corvette or oh, other songs that aren't just Prince. But it's like, it, you know, this one person and I were on a road trip and it was like a five hour road trip. And it was super fun because it got really hard. Like, Play a song that you might hear in the freezer section of a grocery store or name a song that makes oh you think about somewhere tropical or 
winter time or a song that makes you sad or okay. so i mean you really that's have to cool. think it was a lot of fun that, that sounds like a fun i one. play it with max mm. he doesn't know a lot of songs because he's eight and he kind of sucks <laughs> he's not he does not win no. he does not win that's hilarious <laughs> so the one the type of game they were playing whatever letters they were just trying to make a word with sure. anything it didn't necessarily have to be all of them so a green 1984 chevrolet van sped by them with gz in the plate that wasn't all of it, but it had mm-hmm. GZ. So Marie thought of the word G's, mm-hmm. and she said, "G's, he must be in a hurry." So she won that round. Nerd, no boy. Love it. <laughs> so as they continued their drive, they passed an old schoolhouse. It was there that they noticed the same green vehicle that passed them earlier, and it was parked between the school and a large tank. Then they saw a man trying to dispose of a white sheet. And the sheet appeared to be covered in blood. Oh, my God. hmm What year was this? 1990. So, did, they didn't have cell phones. No. Well, they were freaked out, of course, and Marie jotted down what she remembered of the license mm-hmm. plate. They, she wrote it down so she wouldn't forget what she knew of it, and they continued driving in hopes they would find a phone. Yeah. Like, I guess. Pay phone. A pay phone or a gas, gas station. station or whatever. But, all of a sudden, they saw the green vehicle coming up behind them. So it tailed them for a few miles and then turned off. I don't know. I don't know how they thought they would know if they saw something or not, but just maybe to scare Scare them them. even. Yeah. Well, Ray and Marie knew this was bad, and they could not remember the complete plate number. So they decided to turn around and go back to the van. Yeah. Go back to the school? Well, so it was tailing them for a while, but then it turned off. So they turned back around and they saw where it turned off to follow, follow the van, it. like oh, flip flop. They, they were being tailgated, so they're like, "Lacey Ooh. would do this." I don't. Not, I would not. Not if not. A, no, 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 no. Not in this situation. We're I would not stopping. Not. We're going to mm-hmm. keep playing our singing find, song game. I'd find the police, or I'd find. A, I don't know. Well, they saw the van stopped, and they passed by it. I know. The man was wearing a white hat. He was tall, and he was standing near the back of the truck with the doors open. He was changing the plates. <gasps> yeah. Not good. They could see through the open door into the interior of the vehicle and saw a ton of blood on the inside. They sped away and informed the police. So this is the part of the case that's similar to the beginning of the movie Jeepers Creepers, if you can remember it. But instead of siblings in Florida, there are a couple in Michigan. So Victor Salva. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, exactly. So Victor Salva, the writer and director of Jeepers Creepers, has never admitted that the beginning is based off of this case. But if you go back and rewatch it, it's pretty obvious. And there are YouTube videos that pull, like, pull it up and side by side talk about it. It's pretty obvious to me. Even they're even playing car games. Mm-hmm. It's just so similar. But of course, when it gets to the creeper guy and all of the supernatural stuff, it does not follow the case anymore. But it's a scary... That's a scary scenario. Yeah, you see something scary and then they're following you. It's terrifying. Before I go on to that, though, let me tell you about another couple. Dennis and Marilyn Depew. In 1990, Dennis was a 46-year-old property assessor and Marilyn was a guidance counselor at Coldwater High School. They had three children together, but unfortunately, they did not have a happy marriage. I read in some articles that he was violent, but I could not find specific details. And she told some of her friends that he was a bully, so they knew, her friends knew there were issues in the marriage. It wasn't a surprise. 
But regardless, Marilyn was especially unhappy and she wanted out. So in 1989, after 18 years of marriage, Marilyn filed for divorce. Dennis was given access to the guest house, which he used as an office. However, it was believed that he just used that as an excuse to keep control over his family, like to keep an eye on them, Mm -hmm. to hang out, to stay around. Marilyn even changed the locks on the outside of the doors of the main house, but he would always find a way back in the house. To make matters more complicated, their three children didn't much like their father. Dennis claimed that Marilyn turned them against him. She was granted with custody of the kids, but Dennis was given permission to make biweekly visits. On the morning of April 15, 1990, Dennis was going to pick up the three children, Julie, Jennifer, and Scott, but they did not want to go with him. Julie, who was the youngest, refused to go with him. She was making a fuss about it, and then Jennifer and Scott began to protest as well. So all these kids are they don't whining, go. they don't want to go, I don't want to go. Well, Dennis did not like that. He got pissed. He blamed Marilyn for the way they were acting. So he started shouting at the children, turned into a big thing, and then Marilyn got involved. And then he pushed her down the stairs mm-hmm. while the children were there. And then he proceeded to beat her in front of the three children. Oh, dear God. I wonder why they didn't want to be around him. No shit. Yikes. Well, while Dennis was beating Marilyn, Jennifer ran out to a neighbor's house to get help. As she returned, Dennis told her he was going to take Marilyn to the hospital. Well, they never arrived at any of the nearby hospitals, and Marilyn was never seen alive again. So this was the same afternoon that Ray and Marie Thornton were out on their drive. The van that sped by them was Dennis DePew. And the blood they saw belonged to Marilyn. <gasps> mm-hmm. So when Ray and Marie told the police what they had witnessed, police went to the scene where they saw everything near the school. Uh-huh. And they saw blood on the scene. They also received a call from Jennifer. So they quickly put two and two together. Mm-hmm. They then launched a manhunt for Dennis and taped the area off to search. The forensic team found tire tracks and a pool of blood. But it wasn't until the next day that they discovered Marilyn's body in the brush next to a quiet road. She had been shot once in the back of the head. So she was not dead after the stairs and the beatings. Oh. So if he did take her to the hospital, like he told the children he was going to do, she could have survived. But instead of doing that, he ended it. Yeah, it's horrible. Well, while the police were searching for Dennis... He was writing strange letters to his family and friends trying to justify himself. He wrote a total of 17 letters that were postmarked from various eastern states. They were kind of like long rants, and one of them read, quote, Marilyn had many, many opportunities to treat me fairly during this divorce, and she chose to string it out, trick me, lie to me, and when you lose your wife, children, and home, there's not much left. I was too old to start over. Poor you. Isn't that just ridiculous? I was too old to start over, and so this is better. You're on the run. So one of the letters was 13 pages in length and quoted verses from the Bible with a bunch of ramblings. Probably just he's trying to justify himself, which is ridiculous. When in doubt, quote the Bible. I mean, I swear. <laughs> it needs to be assured. When in doubt, quote the Bible. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. TM, TM. Nobody's doing that. When in doubt, quote the Bible. I swear. Oh, God. It, uh, <sighs> I know. You know, not to go on a tangent, oh boy. but I hate when parents think, and I, 
okay, I'm just going to say it. I've been guilty of this because there are definitely times, you know, I I share custody of my son Mm -hmm. and there have definitely been times where I've picked him up and he didn't want to go with me. And it's real easy to think, what did you say? Yeah. Why, why does he not want to go with me? When in reality, he wanted to play with the friends in the neighborhood that his dad lives in. And mm-hmm. it was nothing personal towards me. He's he's a child. He's eight. Yeah. It's not about me. And it's not about it's his about dad. Friends, toys. He wants to play, ride his bike with other little boys in the neighborhood that he, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I hate when parents that are split let it trickle down in front of their children. I do. You know too, what I mean? Yeah. It just, you know, it's- kids... Kids they pick t- up on yes, that. Yes, they do. And, smarter. And, and they will think yeah. about that when they're adults. It's just, it's, it I will, hate it. It's, it's trauma that will last exactly. forever. Exactly. Keep your shit behind closed doors, parents. Well, almost a year passed and they found did not find Dennis. No Dennis. It's been a year. He's been writing letters. Where are these kids? I saw somewhere that they went to live with their grandma temporarily, but I do not know for sure. Poor babies. Yeah, I don't know for sure. I couldn't find any articles about the children. I, From what I kind of pieced together, this is speculation on my part because I didn't find a clear article. Because he was on the run and he had murdered their mother, mm-hmm. I think they were being very low-key and they weren't releasing that information. So kind of just to keep them safe, I assume. Good old Unsolved Mysteries aired an episode about Marilyn's murder in March of 1991. At 8.30 on the night of the broadcast, a woman named Mary arrived at her home outside of Dallas, Texas, to find that her boyfriend, who was named Hank Queen, was already there. He was parked in the driveway, which was a little odd because he would typically park in the garage. And when she walked in, Hank told her that his mom was ill and that he needed to make an emergency trip home to see her. And he asked if she could make him some sandwiches for the road. This is not Mel's daughter. I know. She thought something was off, but she couldn't really put her finger on what what it was. But she had a feeling that once he said goodbye to her, that she would never see him again. Mary was correct about that. She also learned that he wanted her to make sandwiches to distract her from what was playing on TV. (gasps) Unsolved mysteries. Sneaky snake. Yeah. Well, guess what? Mary's friend was watching at her house, and she immediately recognized the man, Dennis DePew, as Mary's boyfriend who went by Hank Queen. She called the hotline immediately after that broadcast and gave the operator his license plate number, which I'm kind of surprised her friend knew his license plate number, but that's that's what it said. Well, she also told them where she thought he was headed. Four hours later, Dennis was located, at least his vehicle was, because he was on the run. Around 4 a.m., Louisiana state troopers spotted his van and tried to stop it, but he was not slowing down. Then they went on a high-speed chase that lasted for 15 minutes, and it only ended because the troopers shot out the back tires of the van. Hang on. You think this would stop him right in his tracks, but he was able to drive on just the back rims for half of a mile before the van eventually gave up. Mm-mm. Sparks. Sparks are oh, flying everywhere. Me, I know. All the sparks. So then he stopped. He shot at officers with his gun. Then he turned the gun around, put it in his mouth, and <gasps> shot himself. <gasps> so no closure. No closure. he's a coward. Yep. Dennis was buried at Eagle Cemetery in LaGrange County, Indiana, 
far away from his wife's final resting place in Oakland County, Michigan. So I got my information from Unsolved Mysteries, and this episode is called Man with the Van. I'll link up the YouTube video because it's an oldie, and also AP News, Screen Rant, and True Crime Edition. That's a wild story. I mean, it started out, and I was like, oh my god, this is my favorite story that you've ever told me, and now it sucks. Sorry, no no demon creatures or damn scarecrows. Like I said, that would have been maybe better than the truth, you know? I mean... Well, unless it was the truth, but... It... It sucks. It's definitely the same, almost. Yeah, I mean... Besides a demon creature. Besides that part. But the beginning, they're driving the car, someone's tailgating them, they're playing... That's so creepy. Yeah, it really is. I don't think I've ever heard of this one before. I've never heard of it. I'm going to rewatch Deeper's Creepers. I mean, I'll watch it just because, because I love <laughs> I it. There's a new I one. I loved that when I was younger. I know, and I haven't seen it. I haven't either. Who's in it? Don't know. Is it still Justin Long? Max and I tried to watch it on my illegally downloaded Fire Stick <laughs> the other <laughs> night, and some other stupid shit came up. What is the deal with that? Because, you know, people But it just wasn't upload. a good one this time. It wasn't no, like the... I, I think we aborted Mission and played Super Mario Brothers, that's, because... That's maybe even better. It, I love that. We, we do love a Jeepers Creepers. You know, there's like three of them, and then there's this new one. And I've only seen We're going to work on two. that. The second You've never one seen the third one? No. It's so good. They're on a school bus. It is bus. good. Oh, God. They're on a school bus. They're, like, coming back from a, like, football game or some shit. And, like, the bus, he throws the star and, like, pops the <gasps> bus tire. And so then they're stranded on this bus. I hated when they started showing the creeper more. I thought it was scarier when it was more, like, Well, this has ooh. got a lot of the swoop down, hear Batty. the wings. Did I ever tell you about the time that <laughs> you met the creeper? <laughs> Girl, he's lit now. <laughs> Listen to this shit. I'm sure our listeners appreciate my stupid stories, but so here goes. <laughs> so one night, this was during COVID lockdown, all the things you and I didn't know each other yet. So Max and I are laying in bed, and I hear this just like it sounded like the Jeepers Creepers just boom, boom, like wings. Like and big I was wings, yeah. and like it woke me up, and I'm like the fuck is that? So I lay there. I hear it. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what's going on. So I covered my child up, my sleeping kindergartner at the yes. time. And I grabbed the baseball bat that's under my bed because fuck around and find out if you come in my house. Yeah. I'm just saying. So it's coming from the backyard. And I'm terrified. Were you thinking it was a bird or something? I, you know what? You just were not thinking about what I it was. I was just thinking, I, I know realistically, this is not the dude from Jeepers Creepers. However, that I'm half asleep. Mind. It sounds terrifying and loud. And whatever it is, yeah, I don't want it to get in my house and get my baby. So about to piss my pants, terrified, baseball bat. Go to the back door, and I'm like, "What are you gonna do? Are you just like jerk the door open and like Did you not peek out the window no. first? Oh my god! I would have did not. Didn't turn on. No, I mean nothing. Black dark in my house. So all of a sudden, one swift movement, flip on the back porch light, kidding? snatch <gasps> my door open, have this baseball oh bat ready to knock somebody's fucking reins out. It had stormed. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to tell me it was an owl. No, Max had 
my sister had bought him this tent that goes over the trampoline and the yeah. storm had <laughs> caused it to blow up on one side. So it was, oh boy. it was literally getting caught in the wind and like, that sound. Even, no. I, yeah. I know. I, yeah. Oh, girl. I, Listen, That's hilarious. I had 19 fucking nervous breakdowns. I thought you were going to tell me like a humongous owl no. was like perched no. somewhere. Not even a bird. Trampoline bird. tent. Not even anything with a heartbeat. Trampoline tent. Flawlicking in the wind. Sounded like the Jeepers Creepers oh guy. Oh my gosh. And in my ridiculous mind that instantly turned into a child thinking, there's a booker outside that's going to come in my house and get me and my kid. So stupid. Anyways. I'm glad you gave us a palate cleanser there before you go. the next before, terrible before case. My terrible Let's case. Just, just, just split them just up. Just so you think I didn't tell you all the stupid shit that happens in my life. That would pull another story out of my ass. scare me too, but I would have peeked out the window. I no. would not. Mm-mm. I didn't want to see it. You're brave. I didn't want to see whatever it was. I wanted to catch just it off guard s- and just like oh my God. bat it out of there. Nah, no worries. It was just trampoline <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, on that note. On that note. Let's uh, take a break. Let's take a quick break and then we'll crack into my. Yes. That is not about a demon. Just so you know. So my case is going to gross you out. I'm glad you don't have food. Oh, gosh. You ready? Uh, I'm ready. I think. Maybe. So Kelly Marie Cochran was born in Merrillville, Indiana, which is like an hour outside Chicago. She was a difficult teen, according to her mother, and at 18, she kicked Kelly out due to her drug use. She would eventually let her daughter move back in, and this time her boyfriend, Jason, would move in, too. He also had a drug habit. She had grown up with Jason right next door. He was her high school sweetheart. Um, Kelly had a high IQ and actually graduated from Purdue and majored in Psychology with a minor in forensics. Okay. Interesting. So, Jason and Kelly got married in 2002 after they graduated. Kelly was 20. Jason was 24. It was on their wedding night that Jason allegedly forced her to agree to a pact. Mm. If she ever cheated on him, she would have to kill the man that she cheated with. Oh, my gosh. And if he ever cheated, he would have to do the same. Uh, yeah. So they were very possessive of each other. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, they did drugs. They were just a dysfunctional relationship, to say the least. Yeah. Kelly said Jason was an abusive man, and there were times that she witnessed him abusing animals. <clears throat> Friends of his family called bullshit because Jason's family owned a farm, and they said he loved animals. He was raised around them, and he would never hurt them. Okay. Kelly also said she was afraid of him. But friends would also say that she was the aggressive person in the relationship. And you could see the text messages between the two. And he seemed that he was passive and she was very controlling and an abusive wife. Anyways, so Jason worked as a serviceman on swimming pools for 10 years before his back gave out on him in 2011. Then the couple moved to Caspian, Michigan in 2013, hoping that legal marijuana would help Jason with his back pain. Legit reason to move, I suppose. 
So Kelly goes to work at a factory making naval ship parts where she meets Christopher Regan, who was a retired military dude. He was in his 50s. He was fit. Kelly was in her 30s. And she looked kind of rough. I'm not going to lie. She looked like she had done drugs and... Yeah, you know, a hard lifestyle typically catches up with people in their 30s, 40s if they started young. So Chris was twice divorced, father of two, living in the small apartment in Iron River. He was dating a woman named Terry, an old flame, but they broke up by 2014. Mm -hmm. She had apparently gone on a trip to England and Chris cheated on her while she was gone with several people. Mm. He told her it didn't mean anything, and she was the only one for him. She called bullshit. They went their separate ways, blah, blah, blah. But they remained friends. Mm -hmm. So Chris and one of his sons were planning on moving to North Carolina, where he was stationed when he was in the Air Force. So he's super familiar with the area. They were super outdoorsy. Mm -hmm. Like, they biked a lot and did all the things that your husband does. <laughs> so North Carolina, you guys are, you yeah, lived in yeah. North Carolina. So, you know, it's like perfect. And he knew the area. So anyways, mm-hmm. apparently Chris and Kelly started up a relationship. Oh boy. Sexually. And this was not the only one she was cheating on her husband with. Jason would text her and beg her to come home after work to be with him. He was struggling with depression, dealing with all the back pain. Yeah. And his wife cheating on him. I mean, shit, it takes his toll. So he knew about it, the Mm -hmm. cheating? Okay. He knew about it. Yeah. So Chris and Kelly were involved for a while. On October 14th, Kelly told Chris, the boyfriend, that she wanted to see him spend the night, do all the dirty things. They usually met at his apartment, but tonight she asked him to come to her house instead, and she would make him some lasagna. He knew her husband wasn't going to be there, so he happily obliged and headed to her house. So on October 15th, 2014, his son, Chris's son, hadn't heard from his dad in a few days, which was Mm. super weird because they talked all the time. And he had a terrible feeling, reported yeah. it to the cops. The cops were like, well, you know, give, you know, just oh, give yeah. it a few days. On October 27th, Terry, the ex-girlfriend, drove to the police station and made a report too. This was not like Chris to disappear. She told them that the last time she saw Chris was October the 14th, two weeks ago. Mm. Despite texting, phone calls, she went to his house His Mm -hmm. car wasn't parked in his parking spot at the apartment. She'd heard nothing from him. She told them he was planning on moving to North Carolina, but wasn't scheduled to leave until November. His phone went straight to voicemail. Yeah, not good. No, not good. So they find out that October the 14th was the last day he was at work, too. So that's definitely something wrong. Mm -hmm. He was... Military, he wasn't late, he didn't call in, and he just no-call, no-showed for the last two weeks. So Terry told them about a woman she had heard he may be having an affair with named Kelly Cochran. So, group of police start looking into her. Another group finds his car parked in one of those park-and-ride parking lots, you know, for people that are carpooling. 
and they search it and find a piece of paper in the passenger seat with directions to Kelly Cochran's house. They also find a GPS in his car that proves that he did drive to her house on October the 14th. So police question both Kelly and Jason. She tells them she took lasagna over to Chris's house and then the two had sex. She hadn't seen him since that night. They have an open marriage because of Jason's back injury. It kept him from performing. So he told her that, you know, you can sleep with whoever because I know I can't fulfill your needs. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Jason is crying hysterically through his interview. He says, it's just my anxiety that's got me so upset. Kelly seemed like she was completely out of it the entire interview like she's high on something like pills or whatever so in march of 2015 the police get a search warrant and search the cochran residence there they find guns knives a battle axe tons of ammo blood spatter on the ceiling in the kitchen and rolls of industrial plastic They also find a book that Jason had written about predators and evil. According to Kelly, it was an outline of Dexter, the TV show. Oh my gosh. They found cell phone photos and videos of Jason walking around with no trouble whatsoever. Like, no back problems. Hmm. They search the computer history and they find someone had searched Satellite images of Caspian Pit, which was a dark and murky body of water, kind of like a lake. So divers are sent over there to check it out. They don't find anything but a burn barrel. But there was nothing in it, and they couldn't tie it to the Cochrans. So there's nothing to do at this point, and the case hits a dead end despite the continual investigation. And over the next few years, the case goes cold. So police look into Kelly's cell phone records and they find that she is also having an affair with a guy named Eric who worked at the same place as Kelly and Chris. And Chris was actually... The same place? Chris was his supervisor. Oh my God. So Kelly apparently told Eric her affair was over with Chris and she was getting a divorce. Police bring him in for questioning and he tells them that they used to meet up at a parking lot of... Kind of close to this park and ride chair place, which is where they found Chris's car. Oh. So Jason and Kelly's neighbors are brought in for questioning. And they tell the police that they heard construction work or what sounded like equipment for almost four hours on the evening, early morning of October 14th. Like a sander or a saw That went nonstop between 11 p.m. till about 3 a.m. They asked Jason when they saw him, you know, like, what the hell was all that? And he tells them, we're remodeling the house Mm. in the middle of the night. Get the fuck out of here. So the nosy neighbors are like, we never saw any construction trucks parked here. We never saw any equipment. We've been inside their house. There's nothing done. Mm. Yeah. So on March the 6th, 2015, the couple left and moved back to Indiana Mm. because they felt like the police were harassing them. Oh, right. Their case had been followed by a private investigator, and he put a GPS on their car to track them. Wow. So while this is going on, 
FBI is involved, they start looking deeper into the house that the Cochran's had just left and find a rabbit's foot under the porch that had belonged to Chris. So Terry, Chris's ex-girlfriend, confirmed that that was his. Mm -hmm. They also found burned saw blades. Burned. Huh. I mean, I didn't think you could burn metal. I guess you can attempt. I guess. Mm -hmm. They were also able to see that the last place Chris's cell phone pinged was at the Cochran's residence. So, the police think that Kelly must have lured him there, and either she or both her and her husband had murdered him, and then dismembered his body. But where was it? Mm-hmm. What did they do with it? So, the neighbors tell police that they think they may have eaten him. Wait. Yeah. Um. Wait, what? Oh. Neighbors said they think that Kelly and Kelly and Jason cooked him and fed him to the neighbors at a cookout. Why would they go to that? Why would they jump to that conclusion? They heard all the saws. There's no oh body. My. There's blood everywhere. Yeah. So, the neighbors tell the police that right after the date that Chris disappeared, the Cochran's invited them and others over to the house to eat like three times that week. They had a ton of meat. Like, super meaty pizza one night. Kebabs. Oh, no. And tacos. I mean, swear to God, this makes me want to puke. They had a couple dogs. And their dogs' bellies were, like, hanging to the ground. Or they were just laying around, like, moaning. Because they were so full. They told them that they had joked, like, oh, my God, what if they killed that missing dude and fed him to us? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Please tell me that is not what happened. I really don't want that to be what happened. Apparently, the neighbors had loaned the Cochran's a skill saw and a sawzall. Jason would come over to their house all the time before this night for, like, dude stuff, bonfires and shit. But all that stopped, and he and Kelly were attached at the hip. They saw him with a backpack a few times. Maybe he was tossing the shit that he couldn't cut up or cook. Just saying. Over the next few years, the FBI continued to search for more evidence against the Cochran's. They searched landfills and woods for any remains of Chris. Nothing. They never found anything. Meanwhile, Jason and Kelly start having a BDSM relationship with a woman in Indiana. Jason being the dominant, according to Kelly, the other woman would come forward and say it was actually Kelly who was the dominant. Mm. Eventually, the two women left Jason out and began this whole lesbian affair. And in 2016, Jason dies. Kelly calls 911 and reports that he is barely breathing. EMTs arrive, say he is purple and clammy. He would die before they reached the hospital. They report that Kelly was acting super weird, like trying to keep him from helping him. And getting in the way, and they kept having to tell her, move, 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 so we can do this. Like, you're going to have to leave the room. Like, you keep, you know. Did they know what was happening to him? So, a lethal dose of heroin (sighs) and suffocation to the face and neck were the cause of death, according to the autopsy. So, this was a homicide. Mm -hmm. 
When questioned by police, Kelly acted completely unbothered by her husband's death. There were tons of holes in her story. Of course. One of Jason's friends, Walt, suspected that Kelly had done something to him because Jason told him she'd been acting super paranoid about Chris's disappearance. The police detective set up a little scheme where Walt claimed that Jason sent him a if-something-happens-to-me letter. So the friend calls Kelly and basically says, hey, Jason sent me a letter and I just got it. And it says, if something happens to me, send this letter, which was in an envelope with no return address, to the police department. And I just want to tell you this because it's really bugging me. And so she asks, you know, this friend, like, don't do it. And starts crying on the phone and then eventually tells him, just do what you have to do. So Kelly would end up telling the police detective that Jason is the one that killed Chris. She said he shot him and it was quick. She said Chris got to their house around 630 and parked around back. She heard him come to the back door that led to the kitchen. So she goes to let him in and drops down to her knees and gives him a BJ. Yeah. Fellas, this doesn't happen. We are not, we are not coming to the back door and dropping. No. So after that, they have sex in the hallway to the kitchen. The, the police video of her is super graphic. It's almost Mm. like she's just talking super nasty to throw him off. That's weird. Very weird. Very weird. Like she's really graphic with the yeah, sexual yeah. stuff. Yeah, like hmm. I did this and then I did that and then he did this and then I did that. What? Yeah. So apparently I'm I'm saving you guys all that. Oh my so, god. Um so they're in the hallway having sex that leads to the kitchen. Oh, sure. And she says she thinks she hears something and all of a sudden Chris collapses on her and then they fall down the stairs into the basement. And she hits her head and blacks out. Oh, how, that's so yeah. convenient. And when she wakes up, Jason has a gun to her head. He calls her a whore and says she caused this by cheating on him. Then Jason walks away to go get something. She tries to get up and get away. He comes back with forceps, hands unto her, and tells her, pull the bullet from his head. Mm. Then he starts gathering tools to dispose of Chris's body. Mm. He suggests they get rid of Chris's car first. She says she's super terrified by her abusive husband And they park it in the parking lot. He gets in with her. They go back home. And her husband demands that she makes him dinner. And he goes into the basement where he dismembers Chris's body. So police still haven't found any evidence that this has happened. There's no dismembered body parts. All they have is the blood spatter on the ceiling. But it's too messed up with like paint and bleach and grease and shit to pull any DNA out of it. So they need something. So in 2017, Kelly is questioned again and she tells him that Chris had to die so Jason could get his power back. (laughs) That they had a pact on their wedding night. If they cheated, they had to kill the lover. If not, the spouse could kill the other spouse. What in the world? It's insane, this whole thing. So, in May of 2017, the detectives, cadaver dogs, and Kelly all go out to Crystal Falls Township 
This is where Kelly told them that Chris's remains would be. Hmm. She told them where the gun was and handed over some other evidence like the hemostats and all that. So two years after Chris disappeared, they find his skull partially buried and Kelly is charged with first degree murder, larceny, conspiracy to commit dead bodies to discernment and mutilation, concealing and abducting an individual, accessory to murder after the fact, and lying to police. Good Lord. Trial begins in February. She refuses a plea deal, and her attorneys paint her as a victim of domestic violence. She claims that Jason drove her to cheat because he was abusive, tortured animals, and had threatened to kill her. She was unemotional when talking about how she was forced to dismember Chris's body. The jury finds her guilty of all charges and sentences her to life with no parole. In April of 2018, she was sentenced to an additional 65 years wow. for the murder of her husband. So, that's that is a crazy story. Freaking wild. Eight. Cut him up, cooked him, and did fed she him. admit to the the cooking? No, I never saw anything where she admitted to that. Oh boy! But oh my god! Did those people remember if? They said she it tasted. Jason, were she and Jason eating them? Well, see, like, I couldn't find anything because that was my first thought. I couldn't I find, would, they said it tasted funny. It was weird. Ugh. I'm going to be a pescatarian or whatever it's called. No, I can't. I'm allergic to shellfish. But Ugh. yeah. Can you imagine? No, absolutely not. And if I would never eat food at kickball again, I'm just saying. <laughs> if I ever found out that I was fed a human being, how can you? Ooh, I could not no. live with that. I would be so even. I want to throw up oh, even talking about it. It's so gross. Ugh. And my stomach was growling. No, but now mm-hmm. and I'm hungry, but I don't want to eat. I just can't. Charlie's will not feed us human food. <laughs> no, they <laughs> human won't. meat. Right. Human food, yes. Human meat, no. Oh my lord! Yeah, insane. Well, Jeepers creepers and cannibals all in one episode. This was kind of a wild one. This for was Michigan. crazy for Michigan. Oh, and mom was in. Up here on the mitten. <laughs> the, by the mid top of the it was middle the top, finger. There's a top of, of the, the middle. Upper peninsula. Well, the upper peninsula is the part above the mitten. Like there's. Um, okay, well, then that's where it was, Lacey. I don't wait, know. I don't know the mittens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lordy. Anyways. Well, moving on to less scary stuff, we have a couple of patrons. Yay! We have Erica P from Louisiana. Huh? Thank you, Erica. She said she'll be in Little Rock next month, and she said she's hoping she can run into us and buy us a drink. Absolutely. I was like, look, that's not, that sounds fantastic. It really does. Give us a DM when you're in town, Erica. Absolutely. And she said she likes the banter and your Spitfire personality. Whoops. <laughs> I'm always happy when people say they enjoy the banter because I know a lot of people aren't into that kind of thing. She also said she loves when I cuss every now and then. Lacey very seldom cusses. Well, my mom listens. And when she does, <laughs> And she I'm does like, not like cussing. Oh, sorry, Lacey's mom. I have a mouth like a sailor. I told, I'm like, look, it's true crime. I'll stand by that. I don't... If you, mean, you can, if you can listen to cannibalism and Jeepers Creepers murders... Chopped off titties. Chopped off titties. You can handle F-bombs. I'm just saying. Just saying. This is graphic. They, don't, they cancel each other out. We don't want your kids out. to listen to this. No. We don't want delicate little this angel ears. This is grown-up stuff. This is grown-up talk. So, just saying. I, I stand by stand by that. So, if I the next time I cuss Erica, I'm doing it for you. <laughs> just know that. Well, 
Shayla H. is back with us on Patreon. Thank you, Shayla. So we got an alert that said you opted out of receiving benefits by mail, and that's fine. Uh, we don't want to make you give us your address, but we, I just want to let you know in case you're like, what? I want stickers. Right. We need addresses. We're not giving you one. No. (laughs) You don't have to send us your address, but I'm just wanted to make that clear. Thank you. We're not mailing you random shit. Yeah. Thank you, Shayla. Yes. Thank you. And also, Jesse G., my lovely cousin, has upped our Patreon tier. Yay. Thank you, Jesse. I miss your face. I'll see you in June at some point. But <laughs> thank you. you thank said. you. And we also got several emails and messages. All nice. Thank God. I've been out of town in Nashville, so I've, I've read them and I didn't respond or send them to you even. I didn't even screenshot them. But I'll just go through it now because why not? So Stephanie B. sent us her address for her Patreon stickers. She joined us a couple weeks ago. She's from Massachusetts. Cool. We don't have very many Northeasterners, no. so it's our first mask girl. Wicked exciting, if you will. <laughs> I bet you're wicked smart. But anyway, she also gave us a drink recommendation that you might like. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this. Chocolate vodka? Yay or nay? I mean, I have never, I've had, never it. had it. Me either. I I've tried never it. had it. And I don't own it. But she said chocolate vodka and then either cran raspberry or cran grape juice. She said it tastes just like a Tootsie Pop. I'm, I would try I'm it. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm down to try that. I'll have to make it in the near future. My face is weird right now. I know. But I'm I would like, try it. It's a weird it's con- odd. I've never heard of that, but I'm interested. Yeah. So. I'll send your stickers out soon. And we also have some patrons who are due for some t-shirts. Yes. So I'll be sending out messages soon about what do you want, what's your address, yada, yada. But we also got another drink suggestion from Karen. Two drink suggestions one week. But she said it might be a little too sweet for you. But maybe I'll like it. I don't know. Lacey likes the sweet shit. But, well... Okay, so muddle a thin slice of ginger and lime. Too much, I'm out. You're just immediately no. <laughs> immediately immediately no. <laughs> oh my Go lord! On. So lime and ginger, you muddle it in an old-fashioned glass, and then add 1.5 ounces of cognac, and then two ounces of Sprite or Seven Up. She said she does diet, which is what I would do too. Garnish with a thin strip of cucumber peel. Thank you, Karen. I'm willing to give this a try. I like all the fruits and stuff, but I don't know about cognac. I mean, it might be good for you. I'm not trying I don't it. know. Well, Edgar Allan Poe loved to drink cognac. He does. So maybe I'm willing to try it. I'm Lacey not, will try it. I'm not a dark liquor person, but. We're going to buy all this shit over the weekend and try it and post pictures of we it. We should. Uh, when I was in Nashville, I did a whiskey tour. And you know, I don't drink whiskey, period. Mm-hmm. I take a s- sip of it and mm-hmm. I make a scrunchy face. But I had a good time. It was a good experience. I have not converted to whiskey drinking. No. But I'll try. I'll try it. I'll try it. Maybe with the fruits, it's better. My husband, Samuel, this sounds like a drink he would actually really like. I don't think we have cognac, though. But I don't know. I don't know what dark liquors we have. Who's to say? Who's to say? Well, we love a suggestion. Yeah. Maybe when we go to Charlie's after we record, they can whip that up. For you. Because I don't know if I want to buy a whole thing of cognac. You know what I mean? Well, remember, and we'll have it. We'll have Barton make make it for us. So, anything new with you? You were telling me about that Amish docu-series you've watched what two episodes <sighs> it's You're on like Peacock. don't make me talk about this again it's called sins of the amish it sucks it's so bad and awful i don't want another piece of jam a a fucking quilt a 
monkey bread, anything from the Amish after watching this. It's terrible. I'm going to go into great detail about it whenever our Patreon. Oh, okay. If you haven't seen it, I mean, just it's graphic. It's not graphic in that it shows anything. It's kind of like a docudrama where yeah. it's survivors. It's just the information is horrific. It's horrific. A the lot of things, rape. The a abuse. Lot of rape. Children, yeah. It's it's, it's hard. Dark. For, yeah. yeah. It's hard for, I mean, it's hard for anybody, but especially if you're a mother of a small child and you think about these things, it's just, it's terrible. Yeah. So, I'm. Sounds mm, very heavy. It's super heavy. And what else? Oh, I saw where Josh Duggar got sentenced to 12 years today. So, yeah. 12 I, years, that's it. I want I, I want 112. I agree. I agree. I wanted, the max was going to be 20. I at least wanted him I to get the max. I mean, I feel like. So, I, mm, when he gets out, well, so. Lisa's kids are safe since for the next 12 yeah, years. Since it's federal, he does have to serve. I think it was like at least 85%, mm-hmm. like he can't be paroled right. early. So, if he only served 10 years. At least, like his youngest or his oldest daughter would be around twenty five ish. Mm-hmm. His youngest would still be young, like twelve to thirteen. But I'm just hoping Anna gets away. Gets just ugh. it's another. It reminds me of the stories, like you said. You'll talk about it, but I think there's a lot of she doesn't want it to be true, and she's standing by him because there's no way he could have. But. What's it going to take? Him touching your own children? I mean, I'm sorry, but just, I can't. I can't. Just keep – kids, I know it's very biblical, at least in some religions. And to be honest, I don't know what they preach. It's very biblical that your husband's first and then your kids. No. But no. It's like, no, your kids – No. Take care of these kids. No. Do, if, you're, if this man has been sentenced and there's any evidence – any evidence at all for this, for ch- crimes against children or child pornography? No. To I'm keep just your kids you, safe. I would be a terrible Christian because <laughs> no one comes before Max. To be Period. fair, I don't, that's not, I'm not saying they all think that. No, but a I lot know, of, you I know, know what you mean. You yeah, know, like no. that graphic of the umbrella where it's sure. God, husband, Cling wife, to your spouse. Kids. Yes. Not you know. saying don't love your spouse, but it's like, this is the time. Leave this freaking man. I mean, you, no. like, I just cannot. I don't know. No. I know. It's, it's I, the, the children, her children. I'm just like, at least they're away from him for yeah. at least a decade. Yeah. At least. Awful. Makes me so Awful. freaking mad. Yeah. So it's been kind of a a dark week. So the Amish show, maybe don't watch it now. Maybe take a beat because there's a lot of dark stuff going on in real Real life. Well, this is real life, but you know what right. I mean. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the shooting that just happened. Terrible. It makes me tear up. Like I can't even. <sighs> there's. I mean, there's nothing that we can say that hasn't been said, right. or yeah. you know, we. It sounds so silly to say we're we're thinking yeah. about Texas and you know the community of Uvalde and that it's it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. It's, it's, this is too many. It's too much. Obviously we all know something needs to be done. Absolutely. You know, where do we start? We all know where we start. Mm-hmm. It just, it, oh, I'm so frustrated. Like it, I never thought 
when I had a child that I would have anxiety right. taking him to elementary school. And now it that is our reality. That's supposed to be a safe space. And fun. And, and fun. And exciting. Yeah. And school isn't should not be ugh. And now parents are I don't even now. You know it anyways, I can't even Yeah, I don't I have no words because like you said, they've all it's it's too much. It's too much. It's horrible. When something more, has to change. When something more children are killed in just this year so far, and it's May the 25th, and police officers. That's messed up. It's like children it, are just living their lives. They're, they're they innocent babies. It's, it's You're not – you didn't accomplish anything. You've ruined and stolen so many lives and memories and amazing, wonderful things. Mm -hmm. And for what? I mean, something has to change or this is just, and it has, it's proven that doing nothing doesn't help. I mean, we've got to do something. Nothing. I mean, I'm not one to get political on the podcast. We will not get political on the podcast. We just wanted to give a little. Right. But I'm, I mean, like, regardless of your political affiliation, it's one of those things that when you have governors or mayors or whatever doing speeches, the question we need to start asking is what are you going to do to protect children? Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Nothing's happened. It has to start somewhere. We have to ask these politicians that we can at least – presidents are kind of unattainable, obviously. We can't just raise our hands and say, excuse me, but start small, start local. What's what's happened – like what's Mm -hmm. happening in Little Rock? Mm -hmm. How are they protecting – How's our mayor protecting our children here? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. We just, we've got to start holding these people accountable yes. and getting them to freaking do something because they're not. And anyway, you are elected yeah. officials. Yes. So, yes, something has to be done. I, I don't know the answer, but. Well, it's not your job we're electing to know the people answer. to try yeah. to fix these things or minimize these things or, oh, it's just, it's, it's. We won't get. It's like she's hitting. We're we're frustrated. We're yeah, heartbroken. Yeah. It's it's just devastating. It's regardless. devastating. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. we see you. We acknowledge this, and it's unfathomable. But I mean, we just mm-hmm. anyways. On that note, it just feels like we're yeah treading water. Yes. Hold so, your babies. Hold your babies. Hold your fur babies. Hold all your loved ones, and uh, we'll be back next week. We will. Bye. Bye.